What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, it's Dr. Will Cole. This podcast is the manifesto for a new breed of health seekers. This is the art of being well. What's up and welcome to the art of being well. I am a leading functional medicine doctor. I get to consult people around the world via webcam and I'm a New York Times bestselling author. I wrote Intuitive Fasting, The Inflammation Spectrum, and Ketotarian. If you want to learn more about my clinical work, the Telehealth Center, becoming a telehealth patient, we have actually brand new telehealth patient options now open. And you can learn about the books, the podcasts, all the stuff. It's at drwillcole.com. That's D-R-W-I-L-L-C-O-L-E. Com. I almost forgot how to spell my name there for a second. Anyways, if you haven't heard the news as well, I have a brand new book that's for pre-order. It's my fourth book. Guys, I'm so pumped about this. Out of all, like I love writing. I love educating people. And these, this is a conversation that I get to have with patients, but now is the time that I get to have it with everybody else. It's called Gut Feelings. The subtitle is Healing the Shame-Fueled Relationship Between What You Eat and How You Feel. So I get to explore in the book the exciting research in the scientific literature looking at how things like chronic stress and shame and trauma and intergenerational trauma, some really out there stuff, how these things, these mental, emotional, spir- spiritual things or feelings, if you will, how those things impact our physical body, how it could be stored in our cells, literally dysregulating our nervous system, raising inflammation levels, impacting our gut health and our brain health, and in turn, our hormone health. So it's called Gut Feelings, Gut and Feelings, the Physiological and the Psychological. And we're also exploring underlying gut problems and food sensitivities and chronic infections like mold toxicity and chronic Lyme disease, the things that I measure on patients' labs, how those physical things, i.e. the gut things, impact our mood, impact things like anxiety and depression and brain fog and fatigue. If you can't tell, you can see how excited I am for this book. We're giving away tons of free stuff. When you pre-order Gut Feelings right now, there's a three-week online mastermind with a, with myself and a few friends and colleagues of mine, like Dr. Daniel Amen, Dr. Caroline Leaf, Dr. Nicole LaPera, who is the holistic psychologist on Instagram. She actually wrote the, the foreword of the book. All three of those brilliant physicians have been on the podcast 
And we're going to have this private mastermind online for everybody who pre-orders the book. There's lots of other stuff too that we're giving away. When you pre-order the book, head on over to drwillcole.com and go to the Gut Feelings page if you're interested in that. Also, we're giving away free signed books every month, no matter when you listen to this episode, whenever you rate and review The Art of Being Well on Apple Podcasts. So you leave your Apple Podcast review. You can do it two different ways. You can leave your Instagram handle in the Apple Podcast review itself so I know how to reach out to you. Or you can take a screenshot of your Apple Podcast review and message me on Instagram at Dr. Will Cole. And every month we'll be randomly picking winners and I'll reach out to you. We'll ask what book you want me to sign and we'll send it out to you. All right, let's get to today's guest. I learned so much from her. I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. Her name is Carly Stein Kramer. Carly founded Beekeepers Naturals in 2017 after her discovery of propolis abroad. She quickly recognized the power of this natural ingredient and left her career at Goldman Sachs to dedicate her life to full-time beekeeping and bringing propolis to the masses in sustainable and accessible ways. Carly is committed to working exclusively with sustainable, small-scale apiaries, partnering with leading bee research institutions, and prioritizing pesticide-free health and wellness products. Above all else, Carly works tirelessly to raise awareness and create a better environment for our world's most important pollinators, the bees. She's been featured in Allure and Vogue magazine, along with numerous podcast appearances to share the importance of bees in our daily lives. Recognized as a game-changing entrepreneur in Forbes 30 Under 30 list, she continues to strive to innovate everyday health issues and transform proactive wellness. I love this conversation, and I know you will too. This is Carly Stein Kramer's Art of Being Well. Carly, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. I mean, I people are we're going to blow their minds today. I have so much to learn from you. I know everybody else is going to be excited to learn from you as well. So first off, I just maybe want to, out of curiosity, I want to know how you got into this very specific, very fascinating, but very specific field and science of wellness. So I met this, this pharmacist in Florence. She gave me propolis. Like many of us, I had no idea what propolis was. I knew all about honey, but I wasn't aware that the bees did more than that. Uh, but I bought this tincture of propolis. I went home, typed propolis into PubMed, something I encourage all the listeners to do. And I started reading. And what I found was some really exciting science around how propolis can affect our immune system, uh, you know, affect inflammation, the antioxidant properties. I got really excited. I started using it. And in five days, I made a full recovery. That had never happened to me before in 21 years, which was just amazing. And really what happened was for me, propolis functioned in my body the way antibiotics do for most people, but without the adverse reaction. From there, I kept reading about propolis and I learned about how you could incorporate it into your everyday and how it was not just safe, but really beneficial to take on a regular basis. Started using it four sprays a day, been doing that since 2012. I have not had tonsillitis since 2012, which is insane given how the first half of my life went. 
And that just really inspired me to start exploring these more nuanced medicinal grade B products. And Mm -hmm. really from there, what happened was I came back to finish up college where I'm from in Canada after my time abroad. I went to go buy some propolis because that was my everyday tool. And by that point, I had started working with royal jelly as well and pollen and all of these really incredible bee products. And I couldn't find propolis anywhere. I could find tons of Manuka honey, tons of organic honey, no propolis. And so I finally found it at this farmer's market. And it was like $40 for a thing this big. And it was organic and artisanal and beautiful. And I took it and I had a very severe allergic reaction. And that was just devastating for me because I searched high and low for this tool. It was like the one thing that works for me. And I had a really severe reaction to this product. And so I was like, oh my goodness, I have to move to Europe. Like I cannot live here. Um, And at the time I was a TA for my chemistry class. And so I ran a toxicity panel on the product I purchased. And I figured out that there were trace amounts of pesticide in the product, even though it was organic. And then that sent me down a different rabbit hole of understanding the system, understanding specifically with bee products, how organic is not a great measure. It's just the one that we have. So when you think about the bees, you can't put a leash on them. So just because the hive is sitting on certified organic ground, the bees could fly next door and get into flowers. And unfortunately, in North America, there's a lot of pesticides sprayed. I mean, there's pesticides being sprayed on sides of roads, like in, in public spaces. It's very, very hard to find an area that's totally clean. And the bees will forage for a five mile radius. That's the maximum distance they'll go. So for me to get product and really run quality control and find something that's suitable for me, I need a five mile radius on all ends of clean ground. And if you think about our agricultural system in the US, very hard. So basically after that, I was like, okay, this is what works for me. I cannot get it in the quality that I need it. I can't really trust anyone else with this. And I need this. So I started beekeeping. I started out of necessity. And that is where I found my life's passion. So I I started as an apprentice beekeeper. It was so funny. I started going to the local beekeepers association meetings. There's pro- there's a chapter in most cities and I just Googled it and started going and people were like, who's this little girl? Um, <laughs> it was like, it was like all third generation beekeepers, mostly men. And there's like this little college girl who's like raising her hand, it. asking these questions. And I found an amazing mentor. This guy, John, he is now living in Romania. He was at the time, a retired biochemist who had moved to Victoria, British Columbia to write a book. And so it was just a perfect, perfect match because he didn't really want to do like a lot of that kind of work and was really keen to teach me. And also, you know, as a former chemist taught me from a very specific perspective. And then I was still a TA for my chemistry class. So I had this really beautiful experience of spending time in the hives, really getting to know the bees, understanding the integral role they play in our environment and understanding the nuances of the different products they make. And then bringing back all the stuff that I was harvesting to the lab and messing around and perfecting the extraction profile and all of that. And it was awesome because I was just doing this for me. Like I never in a million years thought I would start a company. And so there was no like, what's profitable? What's this? It was just like, can I solve my problems? I feel sick. And I feel better. And so that was really how it started for me. Oh my gosh. That is I, I feel a the passion and authenticity. And as someone who's 
someone whose job is being a part of people with autoimmune issues, health journey, I know what it means when you have something that works for you. And it's like, yes, I don't have to struggle with, and this is an amazing tool. And then to have that thing not be the quality that you're used to and you don't have, and you just, your, your energy of wanting to find a solution for your own health journey and now getting to share it with people around the world, whether they have autoimmune issues or not, to support their immune system. I love that. And as you were talking and talking about bee leashes, my mind started wondering of like thinking about what having a bee leash would be like. <laughs> Could you imagine putting a leash on a bee? Oh my gosh, that would be, well, it would get very tangled because they do not fly <laughs> in direct flight patterns and they do this thing called the waggle and the round, they, they basically dance to show the other bees where food is. So they're like flying, it would get very tangled very quickly. Yeah, it would not work. No bee leashes uh, would not be a thing. <laughs> Your blood sugar levels can significantly impact how your body feels and functions. NutriSense lets you analyze in real time how your glucose, how your blood sugar levels respond to the foods that you eat, your exercise, your stress levels, and your sleep. Okay, here's how it works. Continuous glucose monitor or a CGM. It's a small device that tracks your glucose levels in real time. It's your own N of one real time data throughout the day. Application is super easy and painless. Each device lasts for 14 days. It's a 14-day experiment in bioindividuality. So you can learn what your body loves and what your body doesn't love so much. And there's the NutriSense app. So you can use the app to scan your CGM, visualize your data, and log meals, run experiments, and much more. You also get expert dietitian guidance. Each subscription plan includes one month of free dietitian support. Your dietitian will help you interpret the data and provide suggestions based on your goals and your data. They will help you build sustainable, healthy habits to achieve your goals. This is what truly sets NutriSense apart from other CGM-related programs. Seeing this data in real time makes it really easy to identify what you're doing well and where there's room for improvement. I actually use this for my patients at the Functional Medicine Telehealth Center. It allows us to further get curated and tailored based on real-time data. So if you're looking to support healthy metabolism, if you're dealing with any weight loss resistance, if you're dealing with fatigue issues or sleep issues, understanding which foods are best for your body, understanding how to optimize your energy levels, looking how to optimize your sleep and controlling cravings. There's so many different applications for this. Visit NutriSense.io slash and use code WILLCOLE to save $30 and get one month of free dietitian support. That's NutriSense.io slash WILLCOLE. Use code WILLCOLE to save $30 and get one month of free dietitian support. Hey girl, hey, welcome to Taste of Taylor, my weekly podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Strecker. You might know me from Sirius XM Radio. I mean, I was there for like 12 years after all, but then Howard Stern allegedly got jealous of me, so I had to leave. I was actually able to pull myself up by the bootstraps and start my own podcast, Taste of Taylor, which is now officially with Dear Media. I'm so excited to say that. Ha! So I promise you in this podcast, you're going to either learn about something, you're going to be inspired by someone that's like always coming from a perspective of like humor, then this is the place for you. I hope you enjoy this little snack. 
So, all right, let's, let's break this down. You mentioned the word propolis. And by the way, like I was a weird wellness kid as a, a preteen and a teenager in the 90s in Western Pennsylvania, which is by no means Venice, California or Manhattan, as far as access to things wellness. But I'd go to the little co-op and I'd get the, like you said, the $40 bottle, like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, of the propolis because I was so fascinated about the sort of early science and tra- the traditional, I think, use of these things as well. And you've made it so much more accessible and affordable for people. But I remember those early crunchy days of like the tiny little the bags bottle. of bee pollen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so let's break down. Let's do Hive 101. Awesome. People hear this term, bee pollen, royal jelly, propolis. I love the, the just the, how, the facts about this. Let's break it down. Okay, awesome. So- Let's do how they work in the hive and then how humans can work with them. And I'll start with the one that we all know and love, honey. So honey, what it is in the hive, it's the bees' carbohydrates. It's their primary energy source. It's their food. What honey is, is bees are going flower to flower and they have this long tube-like tongue and they're sucking up nectar. They bring the nectar back to the hive. They allow it to ferment. It becomes the sticky, delicious honey. So again, in the hive, honey is their main food for humans. Honey, one, it has a lower glycemic index, so it's a healthier sweetener. It's unbelievable in terms of enzymes. Honey is the only food on the planet that never expires. So think about the enzyme quality. They found honey in Egyptian tombs, but still nutritionally intact, which is so cool. Yeah, really, really cool. It's super high in antioxidants. It has antibacterial benefits. Um, one little life hack that a lot of people don't know about is I really like to use honey for sleep. So taking just, you know, a very small amount, a teaspoon of honey before bed, it helps to fuel glycogen in the liver, helps to regulate that sleep wake cycle. Also, when you have a little spoon of honey, it allows the uh, tryptophan in your body. It gives you that small insulin spike, which allows the tryptophan in your body to cross the blood brain barrier where it's converted into serotonin, then melatonin in the dark. So honey is actually really calming that like old sort of idea of honey in your tea and like honey and milk, there are real roots there because it's a really calming substance. Um, So anyways, honey, it's the bees, carbs, their energy source for us. It's a super nutritive, delicious tonic. And then propolis, you can think of as the medicine of the hive or really the immune system of the hive. So while honey comes from flowers, propolis comes from plant and tree resins. So, you know, if you cut a tree open, sap will trickle out. Mm-hmm. So the bees are collecting those resins. And so the base ingredient of propolis is literally the immuno properties of the plant, which is really cool. So it's kind of the immune system of the plants, yeah. of the trees mixed with the bees enzymes. And so they'll mix it together. They make this sticky amber colored substance. And what they'll do with it is they'll literally line the entire hive to keep it germ-free. Um, They'll even line the inside of cell walls to create a sterile environment for newborn baby bees. So they'll line it with propolis and then put the the newborn in there. They have propolis mats at the front entrance of the hive to disinfect. I know, it's so smart. Something that's really interesting as well is, let's say an intruder gets into the hive like a mouse. And by the way, I like to think of this kind of as a metaphor for what happens in your body with bacteria. So let's say an intruder gets into the hive like a mouse, the bees can sting it and kill it, but they can't pick up a dead mouse and carry it out of the hive, just way too heavy, wouldn't work. And just like us, if we had a dead body in our living room, it would decay and rot and spread a lot of disease. So hypothetically, a dead rodent in the middle of the hive 
would kill all the bees. But what they'll do is they'll mummify the rodent in propolis. And it's that powerful of an antibacterial, antimicrobial substance that it encapsulates all the bacteria and prevents it from spreading anywhere. And so that's why I think it's such a great metaphor for if you're sick, when you have that tingle in your throat, it really helps to sort of encapsulate the bacteria, protect the rest of you and, you know, give your body the strength to heal and recover. So for humans, in addition to its antibacterial, antimicrobial effects, it's really high in antioxidants. Propolis actually ranks higher on the ORAC chart than blueberries. So really, really powerful source of antioxidants. It's well-recognized for inflammation. And it's also not new. It's so funny because I feel like in North America, where, I mean, at least this was my experience, we're just learning about propolis. But the first recorded human use dates back to 300 BC. Like this is, mm-hmm. you know, ancient times people were using this to heal. And it was really what people leaned on before the advent of antibiotics. And I feel like we're sort of having this return. There's a study happening in the UK right now looking at uh, propolis for antibiotic resistant strains of bacteria. There's also a study right now at uh, University of Sonora where they're looking at MRSA and finding really promising results. So it's so interesting that we moved away from this natural substance and we're kind of moving back there. Also have seen studies about how when uh, anti- when penicillin stops working, including propolis, can allow the penicillin to keep working. So it has some synergistic effects, but for humans, antiviral, antifungal, antimicrobial, amazing for inflammation. It's something you can take on a daily basis to support your overall immune health, uh, really just protect your body. And for the bees, they would literally die without it. It is their immune system. It's their literal defense against pathogens and bacteria. Moving on to royal jelly. Royal jelly, a lot of people compare royal jelly to like breast milk or colostrum. It's a really nourishing substance. So royal jelly, it's a secretion from the nurse bees and it's given to newborn baby bees. So the first three to five days of development, the newborns will eat royal jelly. After three to five days, they move on to a more normal bee diet of honey and pollen. And only the bee who's to become the queen continues on her exclusive royal jelly diet. And so it's just cool to see that in the hive as well, because you look at a queen bee versus a regular bee, huge biological difference. Like the queen bee... If, I don't know if you've seen a queen bee before, but yeah, she's yeah. jacked. She's like way bigger <laughs> than the other bees. Yeah. Very healthy. <laughs> yeah, super healthy. She'll So the queen bee will live three to five years versus a regular worker bee during foraging season will live six to eight weeks. So huge difference wow. there. The yeah. queen bee will have thousands of babies, whereas regular female bees, they don't have reproductive organs. So just looking at what's happening in the hive, Royal jelly is kind of the superfood that's really allowing the queen bee to thrive and nourishing the newborns. For humans, royal jelly has also been used for a very, very long time across cultures, really big in traditional Chinese medicine, um, really well known in that space for its effects when it comes to hormone stabilization and fertility. But in the Western world, most of the science to date has focused on royal jelly and how it affects the brain, which is super cool. So there's been, you know, some great studies. There's a great study that came out of University of Warsaw that found that regular consumption of royal jelly actually improves your spatial reasoning. And so for athletes, it's like an amazing thing. But with royal jelly, we see, you know, people who are struggling with TBI, concussion sort of stuff, have a great result with it. We see members of the aging population using it to prevent neurodegenerative conditions. And we see 
young people just using it to improve productivity and stay focused and fight the brain fog. So it's, you know, so many applications. For me, I use Royal Jelly every day for productivity. Um, it's really good for the brain for a few reasons. One, it's one of the only naturally occurring sources of acetylcholine. So the mm. neurotransmitter responsible for brain-body connection, it really helps to support your transmission system. And then this is my favorite thing about Royal Jelly. It contains these two fatty acids that are only naturally occurring in Royal Jelly. One is called 10-HDA and the other one is called AMP and one oxide. And basically these two substances, they promote brain-derived nootropic factor. They're a catalyst for neurogenesis. So they literally help the brain to create clean, fresh. Neurons. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really supporting a process that is critical for all of us, but also gets injured with age and with, you know, exposure to carcinogens and stress and, you know, all the lifestyle stuff that we're up against. So Royal Jelly, you can think of as the brain food of the hive. Have you heard about HelloFresh? Man, I love HelloFresh. You can get farm fresh, pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. You can skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh now has 40 weekly recipes to choose from. So you can say bye-bye to your recipe rut and treat yourself and your family to exciting new flavors every single week. If you're looking for an easy way to eat well and save money, you can cut back on expensive takeout and delivery and get started with HelloFresh. You'll love how fast, easy, and affordable it is to whip up a restaurant-quality meal right in your own kitchen. No matter what your lifestyle or meal preferences, HelloFresh has recipes sure to please everyone at your table. From fit and wholesome to veggie or family-friendly, you'll always find something even the pickiest eaters will enjoy. I know that for a fact. <laughs> HelloFresh makes it very easy and convenient for myself or my wife, or even my kids. We get our kids in on making HelloFresh meals because it's something that you can do together and it's something they can honestly do on their own now that my kids are a little bit older. So you can customize select meals by swapping proteins or sides and even adding protein to a veggie dish. And now you can even upgrade for organic chicken or organic ground beef. You'll only find quality ingredients in HelloFresh's recipes. In fact, ingredients travel from the farm to your home in less than seven days. So you know they're actually fresh. Go to HelloFresh.com slash WillCole65 and use code WillCole65 for 65% off plus free shipping. Again, that's HelloFresh.com slash WillCole65 and use code WillCole65 for 65% off plus free shipping. And then pollen. So for the bees, the bees will go flower to flower collecting pollen. They go into the flowers and collect the pollen and they mix it with their enzymes and sort of bunch it into a ball. And then they carry it back to the hive on their hind legs. So if you've ever seen a picture of a bee with like balls of pollen stuck to their legs, we call that pollen pants, which I think is very adorable. <laughs> Little pollen pants. <laughs> yeah. So they bring it back to the hive and for bees, pollen is their main protein source. And it's a really cool substance, again, because bee pollen has more protein per weight than any animal source. So this is per weight, but more protein per weight than beef, eggs, chicken, 
so really, really cool to see that. And for humans, you can really think of pollen as a natural multivitamin. It's full of broad spectrum multivitamins, really high in B vitamins. So amazing for supporting energy. There's been a few studies on pollen and how it can improve endurance. It's a complete protein full of branched chain amino acids. For me, I just do like a teaspoon a day. I'll put it in my smoothie. I'll sprinkle it. I kind of put pollen on everything. I'll sprinkle it on salad. You know, the other day I made a PB&J for my little brother and I like snuck in some pollen. Uh, But it's a really great substance because it's super bioavailable. And for me, I have a lot of absorption issues. So if I take a capsule of something, the odds of me getting what I need from it are pretty slim. And pollen, because it's full of those enzymes, it's just incredibly bioavailable. So I think of it as nature's multivitamin. Oh, Carly, this is fascinating. I mean, I, you brought it to life in such a way where I knew some of this stuff, but you, I blew my mind on just the intricacies of this thing that so many of us take for granted, right? We're so disconnected from something that is so integral to our health and the health of the planet. So I guess that's a, a good segue. What's oftentimes good for our health when done in the right way, the sustainable way, it's usually good for the planet as well. And maybe people hear about save the bees, save the bees. What's going on there? Because it's really important. And I want people to know about what the connection between bees and our planet. Yeah, thank you. It is so important. And I think it's, you know, we have so much going on in our world and it's really easy to dismiss a tiny little creature. But that tiny little creature is responsible for so much life. So what people don't realize is one third of our food supply is dependent on bee pollination. I think we have this idea that you plant something, throw some water on there, give it some sunlight, and it's just going to grow. And not all plants can reproduce without some help. A lot of plants really require pollinators to help them reproduce. And so, you know, almonds, tomatoes, apples, berries, like these are all plants that cannot self-pollinate that require insect or animal pollination and bees are the world's most efficient pollinators. So if we were to lose the bees, like think about what would happen to our food supply. I mean, think about our apple supply, almonds, like the price of these natural healthy foods that are so important for us would skyrocket. Mm -hmm. If we couldn't get them, you know, without the support of pollinators, we just wouldn't, they wouldn't be plentiful. And then going beyond that, what it would do to our ecosystem, over 40% of wild plant life is bee pollinated. So think about the other creatures, even you know, sometimes I get into these conversations with people and they're like, well, I don't like vegetables. And I'm like, well, do you like steak? Because clover that cattle graze on is bee pollinated. And so, you know, even coffee is partially bee pollinated. Like it, it would just be, it would be like a food desert. And so it's critically important that we support the bees. And it's been tough on the bees over the past few years. There's a number of factors. I, my, my take on the entire situation, the number one culprit, in my opinion, is pesticides. Mm-hmm. You know, in, in 2006, in 2006, when DDT was kind of taken out of the game, neonicotinoids were brought in. And that's the most common class of pesticide used in the U.S. It's everywhere in the U.S. It's a, a water-soluble substance. So it's getting into our water. It's degrading our soil. It's really problematic and it's a neuroactive substance that has a really, has a detrimental effect on the bees. And, you know, things need to change regulation wise in the U S but it's, it's been a major factor in bee decline and something that the thing that I'm probably the most proud of with this company is that what we've been able to do with our supply chain 
is effectively create bee sanctuaries and bee habitats all over the world. So for us, we're dedicated to pesticide-free. I shared my little story with pesticide exposure. And so what we do at Beekeepers Naturals is we we work internationally. We actually do very little work in the U.S. because of the pesticide regulation here. I'd love to be able to do more here because I live here. But unfortunately, right now, with the pesticide regulation, with the structure of our agricultural system, it's almost impossible to find you know, I can find plenty of organic farms, but that's not enough for me. I need organic mm-hmm. farms surrounded by organic farms. And it's it's just really hard to control for that. So we work uh, we work internationally. And what we've done is we've set up apiaries in super remote locations. Like we have an apiary in the Rockies, which is super cool. And we're, we're basically creating these environments that are totally pesticide-free. And in doing that, the coolest part is that contrary to population trends year over year, our bees are thriving and multiplying. So as this company grows, you know, we have to create more bee sanctuaries. And as we're doing that, we're having this meaningful impact in supporting the bees and creating a safe space for them where there, there is biodiversity and there is clean food sources. And, mm-hmm. you know, something we do to control for that is we practice third-party pesticide testing because as much as I'd love to live in Spain and be at some of our cool apiaries all the time, I I can only, you know, make it out to audit these places once a quarter. And so what we'll do is every single batch of product, we send it for a third-party pesticide testing. We send it to a lab in Canada, which is more rigorous than the U.S. when it comes to what they classify as toxins, pesticides, and pollutants. And when that comes back, then we're like, okay, send it over. And then we go on and make our products. But, you know, it's, it's the reason that when we started the company, we really were providing products for a population that is so sensitive. And as we've grown and as you know, consumer sentiment has changed, we understand that if you're investing in your health, you want the best. Like yeah. you should, if you're if you're investing in a health product, you shouldn't have you know trace exposure to this or that. And I also understand the reality of our food system and we're getting trace exposures to all kinds of stuff all the time. But we're really dedicated to bringing people medicinal grade products. We're dedicated to bringing people products of the highest purity. And with that, we get to create this amazing habitat. So it's, it's been really, really cool to watch that evolve. Yeah. So much so. I mean, you're basically, it's like regenerative farming for bees. Mm-hmm. That's what you're doing. And you have to, because they're flying, unlike a cow that can't make it across the fence. Mm-hmm. You have to be, like you said, organic farm surrounded by other organic farms. You're limited on space. Mm-hmm. Wow. Again, I'm learning so much here. So do you, the term, and forgive my ignorance, is apiary, right? Yes. So the beekeeper apiary is the home of the bee. Yeah, you can think of an apiary as a bee farm. Got it, got it. So do you still, you mentioned being an apprentice, do you still have bees now? I mean, I've always wanted from the sidelines, like, a, but I'm, I'm busy with seeing patients. I don't know, is this going to be a big lift? If someone wants to get interested and start, be a bee, be a beekeeper, how difficult is it? It's not that difficult. Look, it requires some learning and it requires some amount of time. But once you understand how to manage a hive, it's pretty simple. Like you can have a hive in your backyard and, you know, you check it every week or so and, you know, just just make sure that that they're safe. But it's not, you know, it's not like a puppy that you have to walk all the time. Like these are pretty chill and they're doing their own thing. They're incredibly resourceful creatures. <laughs> no leashes um, needed. Not, not at all. Yeah, no pea leashes. <laughs> But the thing that I love about beekeeping, and for me, you know, at this, at one time in my life, I was beekeeping every single day. And 
now I'm, I'm running a company and I just don't have the ability to do that. And I get to a couple times a month, go and spend an amazing amount of time with our apiaries. And so I still, I still get my fix, but the amazing thing about beekeeping is the, the sort of mental benefits for me. I mean, it's really a meditation for so many reasons. One, one of the ways that the bees communicate in addition to dance, which I mentioned earlier, but one of the ways they communicate is through pheromones. So if you go into the hives and you're like, oh, I'm going to get stung, it's going to trigger them. They're going to sense that and see you as a predator. So when you're going around the bees, you got to like really center and be chill. And it just, it forces that in such a practical way. And, you know, I'll often go into my hives, not wearing a bee suit. And so I have to be, you know, really centered and it just, it's, it's a really, it's a meditation practice for me. And then also for me, the hum of the hive, the sound, it's like so calming. It's like this beautiful vibration. Mm-hmm. And it's also just a opportunity to connect to nature. So I really encourage backyard hives. Again, it's a bit of a commitment, but you know, certainly the most low maintenance pet you could have um, <laughs> if you want to consider bees a pet, which <laughs> yeah, not, I mean, not exactly a bad thing. <laughs> right, not exactly. But yeah, I was gonna say like it's is that beyond it being a hobby, and you know, obviously purity aside, obviously that's you can't control your neighbors and things like that, and sort of mm-hmm. local regulations and things. But is backyard beekeeping is it helping the problem? Is it yeah part of the problem, I, part of the solution? I think to the extent we can support bees, it's helping. Like we just need more bees, period. And actually there was a study that found that urban bees, bees that are located in cities, they actually have less pesticide exposure than bees in the countryside, which is like kind of mind blowing. But if you think about our agricultural system today, it's all monocrops. And with monocrops, there's a lot of sensitivity. And with that sensitivity, there's a lot of pesticides. And so Mm -hmm. there's less pesticide exposure in urban landscapes. But beyond that, I just think, you know, adding more bees to the system is what we need. And having a backdoor hive, it it pushes people to really understand their connection to these creatures and their importance. And so I think it's always a beautiful thing. And even if you're in an area that isn't necessarily as remote as the Rockies, you can plant a ton of like heirloom, organic wildflowers and give the bees a clean food source right at home. And even if you don't have bees, that's something I always encourage people to do is create clean food sources for these critical creatures because we don't have many of them. We're losing them between pesticides and urbanization. We don't have enough food for the bees to thrive. Mm -hmm. One of the most simple yet overlooked components that I see with patients when it comes to anyone struggling with migraines or fatigue or brain fog or cravings it's a simple fix. Want to know what it is? It's supporting your electrolytes. The problem is that many electrolyte drinks out there on the market are honestly filled with a ton, tons of junk that I would never recommend any of my patients to have. And certainly not all you people that listen to this podcast, which many of my patients do as well. Anyways, the way that I love to get my electrolytes many times is Element. Element is a tasty electrolyte drink mix with everything you need and nothing you don't. And all my patients that listen to this podcast will tell you this is a fact. It contains a science-backed electrolyte ratio. You get 1,000 milligrams of sodium, 200 milligrams of potassium, and 60 milligrams of magnesium. 
with none of the junk, no sugar, no coloring, no artificial ingredients. It, it really complements any lifestyle. Electrolytes facilitate hundreds of functions in the body, including the conduction of nerve impulses, hormone regulation, nutrient absorption, and fluid balance. So again, Element can help prevent and eliminate headaches, muscle cramps, fatigue, sleeplessness. Man, I see that a lot help people for sure. And other common symptoms of electrolyte deficiencies and electrolyte imbalances. So right now, Element is offering my listeners a free sample pack with any purchase. That's eight single serving packets completely free with any Element order. This is a great way to try all other eight flavors or share Element with a salty friend, which come on. We all have one of those. Get yours at drinkelement.com slash This deal is only available through this link. So you have to go to drinklmnt.com slash willcole. Drinkelement.com slash willcole. I have to say, I love all their flavors. Probably my favorite would be the citrus. I love the raspberry. So, but check them all out because, you know, we all have our own flavors. What are your top plants, I guess, or flowers we should be planting to help bees? So it depends on what geography you're in. So I would always encourage people to plant flowers that are native to their geography. And you can just kind of Google that. Uh, for me, I'm in California. I have, and by the way, even when I was in New York, I had a teeny tiny apartment, no yard. And I had like a little balcony garden. And so even something like that is really powerful. And on my balcony garden, I planted a lot of herbs. Bees love lavender. They love herbs. They, you know, and if you, if you are a big gardener, I mean, the bees will really reward you because they're going to help with pollination. And so if you can create a beautiful food landscape for them and encourage them to come over, they'll get those big juicy tomatoes or, you know, whatever it is you're growing. So, so check out what's native to your area. Always choose organic or heirloom. Um, you know, a lot of seeds today are dipped in pesticides, which is really gross. So you want to make sure that you're choosing clean seeds to create that clean food source and just a few pots make a difference. Awesome. I'm in Pennsylvania and I, in the summertime, I see the lavender and the sage, they go crazy. Oh, they love it. They love it. And obviously there's, there's different types of bees. We're talking about honeybees specifically. Is there, is, are the other types of bees just as under threat and are they as important to the ecosystem? Yeah. So there's over well over 700 different species of bees. We're still learning and finding new species of bees all the time, which is really cool. Honeybees are the most efficient pollinators. So they're really important. Those are, you know, of course, the bees that I work with, but all bees are amazing pollinators and all bees are incredible for our ecosystem and all bees are under threat. And so, you know, bumblebees, there's, that's another social bee species, but there's all kinds of solitary bees and solitary bees are really cool. What you can actually do for solitary bees is put a bee hotel in your backyard. And that's super easy. You basically, you can buy them online, but if you want to make your own, you just get a block of wood and drill different size holes into it Okay. and, you know, have it a little bit off the ground. So you're not encouraging a lot of other creatures, but that can be a space for solitary bees to take up residence. And what solitary bees will do is they'll see these little holes. They'll go in there, have their babies, fill it up with food and then leave. And and then their babies will be born and kind of eat their way out and go on and multiply. So that's another, and you know, that requires almost no maintenance check on it once in a while, just so you don't have uninvited guests there, but it's a really easy thing to do. Put one in your garden. I got my, my in-laws have a beautiful garden and they're also scared of bees and I'm working on that. 
but I got them a little solitary bee hotel. And so it's great. It just encourages the growth there. But all bees are critically important for our ecosystem. All bees are under threat. And anything that we can do to support them from planting to having your own hive to just making choices with your produce to support regenerative farmers or organic growers. And I know it's more expensive, but to the extent you can, making those choices, that that all of that impacts the bees. Absolutely. I'm going to do that. I'm, this is, I, I'm assuming spring, summertime is probably the best time to make a little bee Marriott yeah. for, the, for mm-hmm. the, the backyard. Yeah. <laughs> all right, cool. I'll do that. So the uh, one other beekeeping question, and I have so many other things are popping in my mind, but that I look on TikTok and I'll see these beekeepers because I'm fascinated by the space is they will just go and grab with their bare hands. They'll save these bees. Yeah. How is it just their their energy of not being afraid and able to do that? Or is that something that people can't do? I thought bees would be just stinging people as soon as you go and grab them and carry them somewhere. So a few different things. One, I definitely do not recommend that approach. Okay. That's you just know. because I saw it in TikTok doesn't mean I should do it. Oh, wait. Yeah. Okay. Lesson um, learned. I think I think people have been beekeeping for a long time. They they really understand how to interact with the bees. And they're really comfortable around the bees and doing that sort of thing. Um, You know, it's also different at different times when you're doing a hive removal. For example, I've done hive removals before where I'm just kind of moving the the bees and they're not so chaotic. And I've kind of stuck my hand in and moved them away. When you're doing a hive removal, basically you want to get the queen into the box and then all the bees will follow. So the, the bees go wherever the queen goes. And so in those situations, I've done it like bare hands a few times, but I really don't try that at home unless you're an experienced beekeeper. I think a lot of that is just, again, being able to read the bees, understanding, you know, are they really stressed? Are they not understanding your energy, understanding the reality that there's a good chance? I mean, I've been stung over a hundred times and I'm, I'm comfortable with that potentially happening. And it very rarely happens now. And I, you know, beekeep in a tank top a lot of the time. Usually for me now, the only time I wear a bee suit is if I'm bringing someone to the hives. Mm. So, or, or if I'm with someone else's bees that I don't really know, mm-hmm. but with, with our bees that we work with when I'm out there, I'm in a t-shirt taking frames out. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's just about knowing them. I love that. It's like this communal symbiotic relationship in a way. And I also see the videos where they'll get the queen in the box and they'll go, if they've lost the queen, what happens if a bee hive loses a queen? So the hive needs the queen. If they, if the queen died or they lost the queen for whatever reason, they would create one. And so how they create a queen, take a baby bee, put her in a queen cell, which is basically a bigger room, give her royal jelly. Amazing. So there's no actually genetic difference between a queen bee and a regular bee other than the food of royal jelly. None that we know of. None that we know of at this time other than the food, which is why I'm so obsessed with royal jelly. So I'm like, look yeah. at what it's doing in nature. Yeah. And you mentioned royal jelly being great for brain food, but I, you also touched on the link between fertility. Can you talk a little bit more about that? I know many people that listen to the podcast are interested in hormone health and fertility. Yeah. So, I mean, I can tell you. For, for me right now, we're family planning. My husband and I both are like taking that royal jelly daily. Um, so in traditional Chinese medicine, it's been used for a very long time. And we also, we work with a lot of practitioners and we sell into some pr- private practices. And what I see just, you know, looking at our customers 
uh, particularly people who practice traditional Chinese medicine or practice with that kind of orientation, they're using royal jelly when when they take women off of birth control, which has just been like a learning for me uh, watching that happen. And so for me, when I went off birth control, I was taking royal jelly daily. There's been a few early studies. And again, most of the published science is around brain just because we know it has such a powerful effect there. But I also believe that over the next few years, we're going to see especially with what we're seeing with fertility rates for men and women, there's going to be you know, additional studies focused in that space. But I actually just read a study looking at menopausal women, and it found that royal jelly is a weak estrogen receptor modulator. And so you know, it was, it was, the study was looking at menopausal women taking 1,000 milligrams of royal jelly daily reduce their menopause symptoms. So that was really cool. And then Um, there's another study that's in progress. It's not completed yet, but they're looking at how royal jelly affects sperm. And they're looking at things like um, viability, DNA, maturation, all of that. And so far, they're seeing really promising results. It hasn't been published yet. And then again, just anecdotally looking at how royal jelly is used. So I... I'm very, very big on royal jelly for a number of reasons, but it's a major part of my routine right now as I'm approaching that stage of life. Yeah, amazing. And and on top of that, as you said, the the research around brain health, which is so important for so many people. So we have this, and and another way that people can support and help this problem with bees is supporting regenerative farms. In effect, like you and companies that are providing sustainably sourced bees and helping this problem like your company. So we have this beautiful medicine cabinet, if you will, of these different like players. I'm thinking of like Captain Planet, you know, where I <laughs> say that like the, all the benefits like together come together for our health and for the health of the planet. So how would one use each one in a day? Because they're hearing Mm -hmm. these names, but like, what does it look like? Is it a pill? Is it a powder? Is it a spray? Is it a food? Yeah. So I use everything in in a day, like literally everything we make. It's kind of crazy that I use everything every single day. So I can kind of walk you through my routine. So for me, and I've been doing this since 2012, four sprays of propolis every single day, minimum. For me, it's really effective as an immunomodulatory agent. So it helps me to stabilize, support my overall immune health. But I, you know, I'm also using it for inflammation, for antioxidant support, all kinds of things. Also, propolis is amazing for gut health. It's one, it's a prebiotic, but there was a study that found that taking propolis um, helped to strengthen the tinctures in the intestinal wall. And so it helps to prevent leaky gut, which is super cool. And propolis also contains, it, it contains over 300 beneficial compounds. One of them is something called pinosembrin, which acts as a fungicide. So awesome for candida. So I've used it in that capacity as well. But four sprays of propolis every single day, that's like my base. Our bee-powered honey. So that's a honey that it's, you know, a raw pesticide tested, sustainably sourced honey. So it is the highest quality honey you can get. And then we actually have therapeutic grade dosages of all the superfoods from the beehive. So in one teaspoon of that honey, you're getting 745 milligrams of royal jelly, which is like a power dose, 532 milligrams of pollen and 42 milligrams of propolis. And then again, it's in that honey base. And so I do a teaspoon of that every day. I put it in my smoothie every morning. Um, I'll even, I'll mix it into my tea or coffee. I just, you know, the same way you would do it with green tea. I wait until it's not like steaming, steaming hot. Mm -hmm. And then I just mix it in. But I I totally put that in my tea all the time. I use pollen the way most people would use like hemp seeds or flax seeds or chia seeds. It's sort of like a power boost. I put it on my acai bowl. I put it 
on, I love making avocado toast with bee pollen and then drizzling the superfood honey on top. That's like my favorite treats. And then our brain shots. So we have our brain fuel shots. Those have a great dose of royal jelly. And then they also have a copa manieri, which is an extract from a leaf traditionally used in Ayurvedic medicine. Uh, it's an adaptogen. So it helps to modulate the stress response. Uh, also known to have neuroprotective properties and help with memory. And then there's also ginkgo biloba in that formula, which most people know of because it's been huge in traditional Chinese medicine for a long time. Also an adaptogen um, helps to improve circulation in the brain, reduce inflammation. And so it's just those three things that are in that shot. I take one of those at least five days a week. Right now I'm taking it every day, <laughs> but I take one of those five days a week. And for me, I take the full shot, but just like a little budgeting hack for a lot of people, all you need is half a vial. So my co-founder, for example, who's like a dude who's bigger than me, for whatever reason, he's more sensitive. Um, <laughs> he, he will take half the vial, put the cap on, take the rest the next day. And so that's like a nice little saving tip, but a really great way to get those brain boosting, productivity boosting herbs in. And then our probiotic, our probiotic, it's our, it's our gut health formula. So it's actually a pre, pro and postbiotic. Um, this contains propolis. And I'm, this is a product that I'm so obsessed with right now, just because we've been working on this product for so many years. Um, and I'm really proud of it because it's kind of complete microbiome care. So, you know, in that one, we've got the propolis, which feeds the good bacteria and simultaneously is attacking the bad bacteria. So it's, it's, you know, a really great thing to include into your system. It's, as I mentioned, good for candida, it fights inflammation. And then we've got a spore-based probiotic in there. So it's got better survivability. And then we've got butrate as a postbiotic. And this is like a little nerdy, but to nerd out on butrate for a second, a lot of butrate on the market has a salt backbone. We're using a butrate with a glycerol backbone. So it actually makes its way to your colon, whereas the ones with the salt backbone, they don't survive on their journey. So mm. a big thing with this probiotic and why we've been working for years to make it is because we wanted a probiotic that gets where it needs to go. First of all, a lot of strains of probiotics, they die on shelf, like before you're even ingesting it. And then, yeah. you know, there's a good percentage of when you ingest them, they don't make it through the digestive tract to where they need to go. And so our goal was, can we make something that is unbelievably powerful and that gets to all the areas of your body that need the support and can actually survive that digestive journey. And so that's our complete gut health. So I do two pills of that every single day. I actually do it before bed. You can do it any time of day, but that's what works for me. And then we just came out with a liposomal propolis plus vitamin C. So I'm at this point, a bee. I'm having a lot of propolis. <laughs> so you're going to start so wiggling in the that. air. <laughs> I, know, I know. I'm actually like, I'm kind of happy. Like, I don't even know how much propolis I'm having a day at this point because I'm having my, my superfood honey. I have my four sprays a day. I'm now doing the vitamin C plus propolis liposomal pack as well. I usually do that in the afternoon, but I do know that I'm truly the healthiest I've ever been. And to see how my body has changed, how my immune system has changed as we've built this company is pretty amazing. Another thing that's a really easy way to get your propolis, we have our lozenges. And so those are just delicious. They have propolis, zinc, vitamin D. It's like a great on-the-go solution to get these nutrients to support your immune health. And they're also really delicious and have zero refined sugar, under one gram of sugar per lozenge coming from honey. So yeah, so we have some some cool ways. Our so goal neat. is really to 
help people like make modern solutions for people to incorporate all these really nourishing substances into their daily routine. Another, another just thing that I do that has propolis in it is we have a nasal wash. So I do a propolis nasal spray. I do that every day. The nasal microbiome is another important microbiome in your body. And so for me, uh, that's like another way I get my propolis for, I'm not an allergy person. I don't have allergies. Like I don't have seasonal allergies. Mm -hmm. My husband has really bad seasonal allergies. So for him, the nasal spray has been a massive support. And we we came out with allergy capsules as well that have propolis because in addition to all the propolis does, it also can regulate the histamine response. So it actually has a lot of effects there. So, you know, we've created solutions to bring these things into your daily routine. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, if I'm going to simplify it and give people one thing, just start with propolis, just get propolis in your body. Mm -hmm. And it just makes such a difference. Yeah. And I really want to try that blend that you mentioned, the honey, that's basically these medicinal grade. That's such a smart idea. You know, it could provide that royal jelly and all of the different compounds in one honey base. This has been such a fascinating conversation. Something that came to mind was when you were talking about the sinus nasal microbiome is I deal clinically a lot with people that have a more sensitive people with autoimmunity, but a certain subset of them have mold toxicity, mycotoxins, and that, that is a something that we um, really try to support is a healthy nasal microbiome. I, I'm going to start clinically testing this too with with patients because the research I'm aware of the research around propolis, but I've never connect, never put it in using the spray. But now I have a solution for it. So we have so many customers that are using propolis for mold poisoning, and actually for me, I didn't have it to a very severe degree, but I was living in New York for over ten years and at varying places. My my first apartment had many mice. (laughs) I've heard horror stories of (laughs) New York apartments. Yeah. 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 So I just, I did a blood test a couple of years ago and I had some mold toxicity and then I did, I like doubled my propolis intake and did another blood test and, you know, a lot of factors into that. And I was leading a healthy lifestyle generally, but um, my mold levels went way down. And yeah, we have tons of customers that are using our products for mold, for, you know, things like Lyme disease. A lot of, a lot of people turn to this company when they have, you know, similar to my experience, things that mm-hmm. are, and probably similar to what you deal with in practice when they're like, I've tried everything, what is going on? Yeah. And so that our goal is to make science-based solutions for people who are a part of that demographic, who want something that's really going to be effective, actually treat the condition, uh, but also be holistically good for the body. Like we don't want to just attack the symptom and then, you know, leave you super depleted. We want to give you things that are going to help to support your overall health. And, you know, something we talk a lot about is at this company sitting at that intersection of science and wellness. I was talking about how I felt like it was so polarizing. And so our goal at Beekeepers is, can we engineer a product using the scientific rigor that you typically see in the pharmaceutical world, but just use natural ingredients to do it. Yeah. And so it's, it's a fun way of like approaching these challenges. It. Such a smart, it's the future, really it has to be. And it shouldn't be either, or it should be both. And like, yeah. what is some, what is our most effective option that causes the least amount of side effects? Like, can that be our criteria? And it certainly mm-hmm. is your criteria. So I'm excited that you're doing this work. Yeah. I'm so you know the podcast is called The Art of Being Well. At the end, I do your art of being well. This is Carly Stein's art of being well. First question is 
what is the worst tasting healthy food that you still eat because it has so much cool science around the health benefits of it, but it's tastes disgusting, but you still have it. hundred percent broccoli sprouts. I hate the taste of broccoli sprouts. Yeah. The sulforaphane <laughs> is real in that one. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's tough. It is a good answer. What is your dream vacation? Mm. I, I just went on my dream vacation. I just went on my honeymoon. We we went to Kenya and that was that has been my dream forever, just being surrounded by animals. And I also got to work with some traditional beekeepers in Kenya. So that was really cool. And, you know, they're not working with hives in the way I work with hives. They had literal logs filled with bees and we just stuck our hands in and like took out comb, which was mind blowing to me. But that that was such a dream just to be around wildlife like that. It's amazing. I love that. Wow. That sounds so cool. You should do, I'm like, not that you have time for this. You should do a Netflix documentary of beekeeping around the world. You probably thought about this already, but. <laughs> yeah, we, we might do that at some point. TBD probably already are filming. And I'm just <laughs> picking it up in the ether. What is a spiritual or mindfulness practice that has been the biggest tool within that toolbox for you? Gratitude. I, I'm a really naturally anxious person and I'm, it's, it's a benefit and a curse because I love to problem solve. And I'm also like my bias when I look at things is what could go wrong here and bringing myself back to where I am and, you know, being grateful for what I have in front of me really helps to ground me. And so I, I do a gratitude list every morning. If I'm like really stressed in a day, I'll pull up this app on my phone and do the gratitude list. And it's just made a huge difference for me. I love that. I, I tend on the anxious side too. I think it's like blessing and a curse, right? We can channel it and it, it serves us well totally. professionally in life, but man, you type can, A's. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Keep that. And that we need an anxiety leash is what we need. I know. I well, know. That's what gratitude practices are. Right, it's like a mm -hmm. proverbial anxiety leash. What's your favorite restaurant in the world? And when you're there, what do you order? Hmm. Oh, that's a good one because I am a big foodie. So recently I've been spending a lot of time ordering pizza from Double Zero. Um, you know, I'm I'm not I'm not totally plant-based. I would say I'm plant-focused, but I do I do try to limit my meat consumption or really try to pay attention to sourcing. So when I am buying meat, I'm trying to like know where the farm is and that sort of thing. And you know, not every time. I, I wish I could all the time, but um, I do make a, a really concerted effort there to know where my food's coming from and support the right practices within the system because that's so much of what I do and uh, what I push other people to do. So double zero, I love, I love their margarita pizza. It's like the the fact that it's dairy-free, gluten-free is just, you know, I've tricked so many people. I've been like, we're getting pizza and they're, you know, super carnivores, eat a ton of dairy and gluten. And they're like, this is great. So I love, I, I love the pizza there. I never heard of it. What do they use for the cheese? What type uh, of cashew and like cashew. different. Yeah. I mean, they have different pizzas that have different nuts and seeds. It's a Matthew Kenny restaurant. It's one of his okay. and they have one in New York and one in LA. And yeah, you have to try it. It's the best. Awesome. Okay. I, you're in Venice, California now. Check out Goop Kitchen. They have different concepts. They have pizza you may have tried it already they have a i haven't tried it yet but someone was telling me that it is like the most delicious it's so delicious and they have gluten-free options they may have they, they do have vegan options as well for all their different concepts so 
I tried the pizza, I tried the rotisserie, they have like a salad concept, really cool, really good stuff. And Jelena in Venice, have you ever been oh, there before? Love Jelena, love Jelena. Yeah, there's so one good. in New York as well, I think. They just opened one. Okay. Another another thing, because this is just like straight up what I eat all the time. Now that I've moved to LA, it's going to be different. But Dos Toros, it's full disclosure, it's my husband's restaurant, but they oh, have brilliant. burrito shops. They have a couple locations in New York and Chicago. And I probably got tacos from there like four days a week. <laughs> That's amazing. That's your husband's <laughs> yeah. place. What a small world. I've seen it before. I have, Next time I'm in New York, where is it at in Manhattan? Um, they have a few different locations. The one that I used to go to all the time was the Union Square on 4th Ave. Okay. That's probably That's where great. I saw it. <laughs> now, now I have to go. Now I have to go. What's your, it, whatever you're willing to admit on a podcast, what's the most weird thing that you've done for your wellness? Oh my gosh. I've done so many weird things for my wellness. I don't know that this is weird, but it was certainly the most powerful thing I've done ayahuasca. I had a really powerful experience. It was a wild experience. I've done it two times and that was a pretty unique situation. It, I, I, there was a lot of vomiting that comes with that experience, but a lot of unbelievable insights. So that that's my big one. That's really cool. Did you see any like mystical animals? Like what's the person that, that a lot of people meet? I didn't have, I didn't like meet one particular person, but the second time I did it, because the first time I did it, it was like intense and, you know, bordering on scary, but in a really positive way, like pushing you to that edge. Mm -hmm. The second time I did it, the second night, I had this really beautiful experience and I was outside and, you know, I kind of went, it was with a group and I went outside on my own and I was just like really exploring nature. And I, I just, I sort of felt very connected and like felt connected to the bees. It was like a very mystical experience, but I felt unbelievably connected to the bees and I always feel connected to the bees, but it was like a magnified, beautiful, beautiful experience. Yeah. I mean, the, what, the, what I hear, I've never done it before, but I've heard, so it's almost reminds me of like what they are portraying on avatar is what happens whenever sort of that veil is lifted a bit. It was, I mean, for me, it was like every thought that I've ever avoided, I got to look at, which again, in a lot of ways was like scary for moments, but then you kind of are like, okay, none of this is that bad. This is just Mm -hmm. the experience. And like, it's a practice in surrender and acceptance, which are two Mm -hmm. things that I'm constantly striving for. Oh my gosh. Same here. Same here. My friend, this has been a rich conversation. Thank you so much. Where can people go to learn all about the amazing things that you're doing? So check us out at beekeepersnaturals.com. Our Instagram is beekeepers underscore naturals, where on Instagram, TikTok, all of the socials, we love to hear from you guys. My Instagram is carly.kramer. Yeah, if you have any product questions or you just want to learn more about the bees, sustainability, environmentalism, come check us out. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to The Art of Being Well. If you have a chance, please rate and review the podcast here. 
And if you like what you're hearing, hit follow and pass it along to a friend. To see more, head to drwillcole.com slash podcast. I'll be back every Monday and Thursday, and I hope you will too. Talk soon. note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.